Welcome in everyone. You're listening to Boston Roods, Raider Paul Sports, student voice of your Paul Blue Demons. My name is Boston Hadwala here with Rudy Hodgson, and today we have a special guest, Tim Stebbins, Cubs writer at NBC Sports Chicago, former assistant GM of Raider Paul Sports. Tim, how you doing? Uh, good, man. Happy to hop on some uh, late night podcasting. How about you guys? Rudy? I'm good, man. Uh, still in Los Angeles, spending time with family today, and just glad to be able to talk to you guys and talk a little bit of baseball. So excited that the MLB is coming back. I'm sure we'll get into it, but for now, yeah, everything good. Yeah, let's, um, you know, everything seems so up in the air right now, especially since, like, we're, like, back to 36,000 cases a day or whatever we're at now. Uh, so we, we, we've kind of gone backwards again, but hopefully, hopefully we can still get some baseball starting, what, July 23rd or July 24th. So let's start out. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this return to play the plan. And then a 60 game season is going to be really odd. So I, I want to like go around, talk a little bit about what we're expecting to see. Um, <clears throat> so right now, um, I think the last few weeks, have been really infuriating baseball-wise. There was the really kind of underwhelming uh, Sosa-McGuire documentary, and then all this back and forth with the, with the league and the players' union. But finally, finally, we have something, some type of hope in terms of what's going to happen moving forward. So what are y'all's thoughts, initial thoughts? 60-game season, uh, I think players are supposed to report on, on July 1st. So a uh, pretty short turnaround. What are you, what are you guys thinking? Um, go for it. You're a guest. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a season, you know, it sounds cliche. Everyone's been saying it, but it's going to be a season really unlike any other um, for the Cubs specifically. This is the first time in a single season, they won't play a hundred games since the 1800s. So uh, that kind of just puts it into uh, perspective. I think what you're going to see is, a lot of teams are going to be in contention that otherwise might not be. You know, last uh, last summer, the Pirates were a half game back of first place in the NL Central at the All-Star break, and they finished 22 games back when it was all said and done. So you're going to have a lot of teams with only 60 games. You know, in 2017, the Cubs were 30 and 30 after 60 games. So teams like that, you know, they wouldn't have made the playoffs, and they eventually did made the NLCS that might happen this year where you have, you know, contenders who just have a bad week or two and that puts them out of the race. So the, the less games that really makes a huge impact and you have to get off to a good start and you, or you might not be in the race. Yeah. I think, I think it makes a great point. Um, sorry, boss. You want to go ahead? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to go into that a little bit as well. I mean, you have all these teams that just come out of the gate really, really hot and, um, in a sport where momentum is really everything, um, it'll be really interesting to see if, like, say, for example, the White Sox, you know, everyone's kind of really highly touting them. And what if they get off to a really, really not so great start and end up missing the postseason again? It's one of those things where it's going to be really interesting to see how everything shakes up, how the schedule is going to work out. Um, and another thing is, is I'm not sure if, if they've, uh, you know, denied this or anything but what if they adopted a, a some sort of um, method where more teams make the postseason and they kind of have a more streamlined process towards the playoffs so that maybe some of these teams that have these marquee players for example the angels 
uh, kind of have a little bit of a shot to, to, to work their way in. I know that they already have the wild card system, but what if they did something a little more um, expandive or expanded so that, um, you know, because it is such a short season, they, you know, find a solution to what can be a very, like Tim said, uh, like Tim said, uh, uh, adopt to a season that really is unlike any other. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, and I think Tim, you kind of touched on it earlier that like, 60 games there's so much that could go right for a team so much that could go wrong um in such a short period of time um especially like w- with the cubs uh if we want to be really like hometown specific i guess or chicago specific i should say um really streaky the last few years uh and i think that's the norm for for a lot of teams so that 60 games it's going to be really odd to see to see how it goes down I think one thing that I found really interesting that I was looking at um one of our former Ray Paul sports guys Nick Woj he tweeted he, he didn't made like a table of like first 60 games versus the final standings for like the past four years and it's like there's so many things that just teams that just like come out of nowhere teams that just disappear 100 percent and uh, I think that'll make it I mean, like, like Tim, like you said, uh, like a season we've never seen before. I do love the, uh, that the Cubs haven't played a season less than 100 games since the 1800s. That's, that's also amazing. That's also amazing that, like, this, this year is going to be that different. My main concern, though, is, is just the health issues. Because I'm a, they're going to be playing, like, are there going to be hubs? Or is, it gonna, is every team going to play in their normal cities and their normal stadiums? Yeah, um, if possible, they're going to play in their normal stadiums. But in the last week or you know two weeks, uh, eleven cities, um, home to half the league, essentially have had coronavirus cases spike. So that's something that you really have to think about. And uh, in addition to those numbers, what you're going to see is when all these players report to these cities from wherever they are in the country, they're going to be tested, and that's going to add to the cases because there's bound to be some positive tests. Um, I know Toronto, for example they're trying to hold spring training, you know, in Toronto, but there's these travel restrictions. So they might not even get to play baseball in Toronto this year. They're talking about Buffalo might be a, a city for them to, to play in. They're trying to get Toronto, but that's a huge thing. Like the, the health is what it's going to come down to. And you have rules being implemented where players can't spit. Players can't get within six feet of an umpire to argue a call, or they might be fined, suspended, ejected. Um, in between innings before and after games, you can't get within six feet of an opponent to mingle. Like these health issues are serious, but you still have to wonder, you know, you have to think there's going to be positive cases because even if you're as safe as possible, these are a lot of people kind of in one general area. Yeah. And I think with the NBA where it's like, you're in this, in the same complex, everybody's in the same area. There's all that stringent. I mean, you're forced to just be in that one spot uh, baseball doesn't have something like that right now. And I think it'd be a lot harder to do that for baseball just because of, like, the amount of facilities that you need. You know, I, I think a, an, a basketball court a lot smaller than a baseball field. So, like, I don't know if they would be able to have it in, like, one hub area where it kind of re- reduces the amount of travel or the amount of exposure. And at the same time, baseball teams are larger, so much larger than an NBA roster. So... I feel like the the travel and all this, like like you're saying, like all this like person to person exposure on the field, I feel like it could derail everything really quickly. 
I mean, I think today, uh, WWE has been going on for a little while, but I think today a bunch of people tested positive uh, on their roster. So, like, I think it, it, there's such a risk right now. And it's like, yeah, we have the sport back or we, there's a plan, but, like, is it actually going to go through? It is, like, one bad week where a bunch of players test positive, is that going to, like, derail it? Yeah, I think um, MLB seems pretty confident that with their their testing protocols that are in place, that it won't the season won't be derailed. But as you were kind of saying, it takes one catastrophic incident for that to happen. Um, on MLB, the last week or so alone had forty players and coaches and staff members test positive. What they're kind of saying in response to that is, well, they've been training at spring training facilities where there weren't you know protocols in place to the extreme that they're going to have now. And that kind of begs the question, well, why weren't there? If they're allowed to work out there, you should have had those protocols in place to begin with. Now they will have those. But as you were saying, it's only going to take one big bad spike for this to really go off the rails. And yeah, there's definitely doubt about if they can get through a season because of that. What do you think? I think uh, y'all think I I was going to say, I was going to add to Tim's point. Um, because he did bring up a really good point that, you know, you, you can't go into the season expecting that there isn't going to be a case. You know what I mean? And at, at this point, the MLB stance needs to be damage control. You just want to limit the damage as much as possible because it is such a short period of time in which they're planning on having the season, but it is a lot of contact. And, and you know, it's another thing is, it's like you, you can't go through everything and, 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 I think this is where the MLB's stance, and, and Tim brought this up as well, is about the protocols that weren't being in place to begin with. And, you know, um, every every league is guilty of it, right? It's a learning curve for everyone. The NHL players tested positive because they were having their uh, players practice at facilities that, that, that weren't sanctioned uh, through the NHL. And um, these players, uh, as much as they want to return, as much as we want them to return, it's one of those things where, they they need to take care of themselves first and and this is also why if if the MLB wouldn't have had a season I wouldn't have been super upset with it I'd rather have these guys be healthy and wait for a full season than risk <laughs> Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger getting sick and not being able to finish the season because it is such a short season and, and and any slump like we said earlier can really really derail the season and if not cancel it as far as spikes yeah, and, and I guess, like, specifically just, like, the season itself, I guess getting into more of a hypothetical here, you know, we've seen, like, so many players, like, the, the home runs, everybody's hitting home runs now and like, the, the preposterous numbers. In a 60-game season, how could – what's, like, a max? How high could somebody get in, like, a home run total? I mean, like – yeah, six. I mean, sixty times three or four, right? If you homer in every single at bat, you're talking about somewhere between 180 to 240. Oh, I'm I'm saying like, <laughs> like realistically. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That was a joke. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, we've seen recent years where by the All Star break, guys have eclipsed 30 home runs, and I'm not even thinking about last year where the ball was juiced and home runs were going out at a, a record pace. I, I it wouldn't surprise me if someone got into 30, and you know. If it was above that, then you're starting to talk about anything above 30 is outrageous for the, the length of the season. But I think 30 for some of those guys is going to be reachable, if not close to it, just because 
that's just kind of where the game is and how many guys hit for power now. Yeah, I mean, like that kind of – it'll be really funny, like not funny, kind of weird, preposterous looking back when you look back on this year in like 10 or 15 years, depending on how the season goes, and like seeing like high for home runs that you're 31. And it's like, hold up, what happened here? Well, like, I interesting know if like – go ahead. I was just saying, even with wins, like you need five innings to qualify for a win and starters for the first two weeks of the season are not going to pitch more than two or three innings. So wins are going to be something that a lot of relievers might be at the top of the leaderboards on. I did not think of that at all. That was really, really – that's a great point. I was thinking like, you know, with so many less at-bats being delivered, I wouldn't be surprised if batting averages start going up and spiking as well because, you know, you have all these players that could get on a really hot streak and like just – I mean, come on. I mean, wouldn't it be crazy if we look back on this season and one of the top hitters, more, more consistent hitter, uh, batters has like a, I don't know, maybe over 3-5, close to a 4. So – it would be kind of interesting looking back at the stats, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of like, I don't know. Is there an asterisk on this season as well for the, for the world series winner? That's a, that's another good question. I've never really, li- I don't really like this idea of there being like an asterisk because it's like you, you still ran the, maybe you ran a shorter gauntlet, but you still ran the gauntlet. You're still dealing with all the issues that you're going to have to deal with, with, with the virus. So like, I feel like whoever wins, it's like you won. There shouldn't be like a, this is like a B trophy or something. You survived. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it would depend. It's like if, if the star players on every team aren't playing because they're sick, then like, sure, it's like, all right, cool. The B all-stars went face to face. But like, I don't know. I don't know. I really, I, I don't, like, I think like the NBA thing is having it too. It might be just because I'm a big underdog guy and like, People were like, oh, if the Clippers win, it doesn't count. And, you know, I'm just saying this to kind of spite you, Rudy. Uh, but, like, I keep seeing this kind of stuff, and it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'd consider it like an asterisk. I think it's inevitable that it's going to be thought about that in a certain way. I think you're right where if someone runs the table or whatever, they, they get to the playoffs, they win the World Series, you have to give credit where credit's due. That's still a great accomplishment. But – I just think back to last year. The Nationals were 19 and 31 after 50 games. They wouldn't have made the playoffs in a 60 game season. Uh, the Dodgers, two years ago, Rudy, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they got off to a poor start as well. I don't know if through 60 games, if they would have made the playoffs, at least they not have won have. The, Exactly. So I think you're going to look at it with an asterisk, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, we should all remember that 2020 was just a really intense year in its own right anyway and that nonetheless the trials and tribulations these guys are going to go through playing 60 games in 66 days during a pandemic they, they deserve the credit for whoever winds up winning tim i do have a question for you you probably know better than i do um <clears throat> because there is going to be a 60 game series you're still going to have certain characteristics of uh of a season as far as uh operations go for a team uh, do you know anything about how they're going to run, you know, say, you know, throughout the course of the season, players get injured and stuff, and you have to recall players, you have to bring up players. How are they going to work with work the farm systems into the big leagues, and how what's the process going to be like for bringing in someone that maybe might not be there at the beginning of the season and may play a, a small factor, for example, Gavin Lux with the Dodgers last season? Yeah, so 
Um, initially, this year was going to expand active rosters from 25 to 26 players. Now they're kind of doing a tier system. The first two weeks, active rosters will be 30 players. The following two weeks, it'll be 28. And then for the last two, it'll be 26. There's not going to be minor leagues. Um, I think they've talked about this is kind of a side point, but team players who are unsigned might, they might form like two teams just to train together and play against each other in Nashville in case teams need to sign anybody. But individually speaking, you can designate 60 players for your team that can be activated at any point this season. Now, because you can only have the 30, then the 28, then the 26, those other right. half, those other half guys are just going to be training somewhere. And for like the Cubs, it's going to be uh, at South Bend, the Cubs, class a affiliate um road trips you can bring a taxi squad they call it and the max of three guys you can bring on the road in case you know as you were saying injuries pop up positive test on the road trip but if you bring three one has to be a catcher so they're gonna have because no minor leagues are in play you're gonna have a half a similar size team of guys ready to go but they're not going to be playing um and with that, also, because there's no minor leagues, you're going to have, you know, your lower-level prospects are going to be on that team. So it's not just going to be guys ready to be called up. It's just going to be guys who you're getting reps in for because otherwise they'd be sitting around for a year. That's why I asked the NBC sports writer because I, I would not <laughs> – did not get any of that on my Twitter feed yesterday. So thank you very much for answering my question. <laughs> I guess like that brings up a whole other thing too. It's like these players like who are on these, who are going to be at the training facilities. First off, it's like, how good are the health measures going to be over there? Right. Because of like, if they aren't being careful and the training facilities have rampant numbers of COVID and then the regular roster starts seeing a spike, then it's like, who's left to play the coach. Uh, and then also like those, even those lower down players, they're getting their full salaries, right? Or, or at least the, the, prorated for 60 games or or whatever you, the agreement was are you talking about guys who are actually on the active rosters or the, the guys in the 30-man inactive squad uh the inactive squad that's an interesting question they're not going to get service time if they're not activated right um, uh -huh. payment really comes down to individual teams right you know we've seen a lot of controversy with some some of these owners have decided whether to pay minor leaguers through September or not, like a $400 a week stipend. The Nationals were going to drop it to $300 a week, and then all their, you know, a lot of those players from the big league team banded together to put together money to pay those guys, and then the owners changed course. So it, it really depends if, if your team's paying minor leaguers or not. And then with some of these guys, because – you know, the union, the last offer the league game gave them was for 60, 60 games, uh, full prorated, and there was other incentives in there, one of which would have back paid these guys for the months that there hasn't been baseball, right? So the, the union turned that down, and they still got 60 games anyway, but they turned it down so they could keep the right to file the grievance, file their lawsuit, which they value, they think it could go be worth, you know, couple hundred million dollars but it would be a billion dollar lawsuit so what i'm going for here is that some of those more guaranteed uh minimum salary players because it's prorated you're talking about 37 percent of the regular season in a normal year they're not going to be paying playing for much they're not going to get that back pay so they're you know it's still money 
from if we're looking at it from our perspective, it's good money, right? But they're going to be taking a huge pay cut, and they're not going to get the back pay on top of it. As a whole, I feel like uh, how big of a, a hit is the league going to take? Because I know like a lot of places around the country probably won't be letting fans in. I think um, actually Jay Cantu was telling me today that like the Texas right now in their current state. I think it's going to change because of how much everything's spiking. They can still have people come into the stands and they said, what, 50% capacity, which, I mean, if we're going to be honest with the way it's going right now, that's not, I don't think that's going to stand. I mean, maybe it stands, but like, I don't know what the heck's going to happen to that 50% of people if they're in that close vicinity. And then I think for, for Chicago, it was like, um, if they're in fa- if we're in phase four, if the city's in phase four, then 20% capacity at Wrigley. But do you think that we'll actually, do y'all think that we'll actually see fans in the stands? I don't think so. I think it'd be a lot smarter for these leagues to um, adopt what the NHL is doing with the hub cities. I mean, realistically, all you really want to do is, is, like I said, you're going to get cases. You're going to have incidents. At this point, it's inevitable it's all about damage control. And if they can create a way to limit the amount of cases without even having to worry about fans, I think it's a win for the MLB. Yeah, granted, I, personally, a baseball fan, I'm going to miss going to Wrigley and watching the Dodgers pound on the Cubs. But you know what I mean? Uh, I'd rather wait a year and, and wait till everybody can come watch the Dodgers win uh, than go to the game and risk getting sick at 20% capacity. Yeah, it'd be a great experience. Don't get me wrong. I could look back on the year and say, hey, I was at one of those games. But, you know, it, it, either way you look at it, both sides are going to take a hit, and and you just kind of want to keep everyone safe. And, and, you know, maybe that's just the me talking. I'm, I'm sure Tim might have a uh, something to add. But, but uh, I think the hub city idea is great. And, and the way the NHL and the MLB – uh, have handled their situations has been very drastic and very different, but um, to each their own, I guess. It's a learning period for everyone. Yeah, I think it's going to be dependent on local governments. I think that's what MLB is leaving it up to. And there's kind of a you know a report rumor out there today that the White Sox were going to allow 20, 25% of fans in. And I think they kind of dispelled that and they said they, they hadn't decided anything. Um, the, the the thing with the money factor is that a lot of owners apparently or not maybe we'll say there were some owners out there who discussed how it would be more financially feasible or better financially to not play this year at all than pay and play uh play and pay players prorated salaries for 70 80 90 games or whatever um whether that's true we don't know the owners historically don't open their books but that kind of shows you where the, they are with their revenue losses or so they say right and by not allowing fans for some teams that that is a huge part of their revenue and i think maybe you know some some states with their local governments they might be all for it and these teams might you know they might try to get some of that revenue back but i think you also have places like illinois and chicago where jb pritzker said we'll, we'll allow that 20 25 and then Lori lightfoot said you know we're still in communication with the teams the cubs and Sox, but they haven't decided anything. And it's like, it's like Verdi saying, it, it comes down to safety. And if it doesn't make sense to do it, then they're not going to do it. And I don't know how you would even do it because 20, 25%, you know, season ticket holders make up that mu- that much or something in that range for, you know, uh, fan, fan revenue or t- uh, tickets. So 
Do you just give it all to season ticket holders? How do you break it up? It seems like a, a mess, both logistically and health-wise is the even bigger factor that they have to figure out. Yeah, and that, that's what's like for, for me too. It's like the revenue issue. It's like, I mean, MLB owners never really seem like a most generous type, but I guess you can say that for every single sports league that the owners of these teams never really seem like the, the most generous type. But um, the amount of, like, loss is going to be unbelievable. Because, like, yeah, no matter how many – nobody's going to have 100% capacity. Not going to happen. So, like, I mean, the, the food sales are going to go down. And, like, even if there is capacity, what are they going to do for food sales? Because, like, if you're thinking about, like, food at a ballpark at any type of sports arena, it's not the most sanitary thing in terms of, like, transmission of a virus. Uh, right. So, like, I, I mean – the, the amount of loss is going to be unbelievable for, for every league. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, is it, yeah, Tim, I like that point that like, was it a lot of owners probably felt like, you know, it might not be even financially like sound to like still have a season. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. A boss, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. Um, that's what I hate. I hate about zoom and like not in person is that like, <laughs> It's the, the trying to communicate is such a pain in the butt. So I apologize, boss. But I, I will say this: um, as far as uh, revenue is, if they do allow, you know, hypothetically speaking, they do allow fans at twenty percent, twenty five percent capacity, and they do find a way to evenly distribute between season ticket members and and, and regular fans, you could resell those tickets for so much money. Can you imagine? the market and how much you would be paying for a seat in the bleachers or a seat in the pavilion here in Dodger stadium. I could only imagine, especially these bigger markets where, you know, for example, Yankee stadium, if, uh, if any team is not going to have capacity, it's going to be Yankee stadium. But if they do, um, I just can't, I cannot even imagine the cost of trying to attend a game where it's, it really takes the like family, the family aspect of baseball out of the question because the only people that are going to be able to go to games in the first place are going to be people that can afford it. And I'm not, I'm not sure about you guys, but I can't afford to pay $150, hypothetically speaking, for a seat in the bleachers that I'm going to be six feet apart from my friend. You know, it's, it's just, it's one of those things where it doesn't seem logical to even have fans and, and even though I understand you're going to take a hit and maybe that's a way to kind of lighten the blow. Do you really want to, put your fans at risk because that kind of carries in the next season. You're kind of going to, you're going to be a little bit, you know, on the fence of even wanting to go to a game because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's so, it's so unimaginable. No one could have really seen this virus coming and hitting this hard. So it's, it's unfortunate, but you just gotta, I think you just gotta bite the bullet and, and, and not let fans on. Yeah, and, and if I'm going to be honest with you, Rudy, even if I had a ticket, I would do whatever I could to sell it because I'm one of the very uh, – I mean, I think I'm one of the more like uh, – if not careful, more like I'm not going out to these types of events. I wouldn't want to go for a, best, a baseball game or any sporting event in, in this climate. So, like, I don't think – like, I, I, feel like, I feel like there should be no reason to have fans – at least in, in my opinion, it, I, I think you need like stadium staff, obviously coaches, and then media. But uh, normal fans, 
it's like you might as well stay safe right but anyways um let's take a quick second here let's take a quick break and then when we get back i want to talk uh about media media in in this season and what the role is going to be like how different it's going to be and i guess like what it was like at least for you personally tim what it was like before this i guess whatever uncertainty there could have been for the fact that there might not be an mlb season but we'll take a quick break and we'll get right back to it Boston Roods here. Uh, so before we end up end this podcast, we want to talk a little bit about uh, now that the MLB is is for is returning and, and now we know that it's probably for sure that they're going to have a season. Uh, Tim, I want to give you some time to talk here uh, just about like the role, what it's going to be like to be like media right now covering the sport, covering the Cubs, uh, because I think it's the same thing we're going to see at least for, for, for the NBA much, much more in terms of like there aren't going to be that many people allowed in that campus but then for baseball too what do you expect it to look like yeah uh, for you as a media member um i think for baseball you can start with no clubhouse access they're talking about even within your own organization the tiering system where if you're like a video person you're the only people allowed in the video room you're not going to have players back in there um coaches etc they're going to be bringing video from place to place um, one-on-ones because there's no clubhouse, probably rare at the best. Uh, I would imagine at least initially, maybe, you know, the, the best bet is everything gets better along the way and maybe you can open up some of these restrictions more, but I mean, look how the world has really altered their, you know, their work habits during this, right? It's, it's shifted to something like zoom. So I would imagine at the start, you're going to have interviews through Zoom because if you're not getting clubhouse access, um, you know, getting around the field, like it's, it's going to be the same. It's going to be players show up to the ballpark, they train, they play, they go home. Media, you show up, you do your work, you're in your section, and then you go home after a certain amount of time. So I don't envision getting to go down in the clubhouse on the field like that. And um, you know, as I was saying, like, hopefully it starts to maybe ease up by the end of the year, but for the foreseeable future, I think just like how I was saying the rest of the rest of the world is adjusted. That's how sports and media are going to have to do it too. And I guess like through that, I mean, I feel like it'd be pretty funny. I know there's always that thing when you're on zoom doing an interview, not when it's like, like a podcast or anything. But um, there's always that momentary, like, pause when you're trying to end it, when you're trying to, like, exit out of the call. How weird would it be if, like, you're exiting out of the call and you have that momentary, like, pause where it's, like, the exit button isn't working properly or there's, like, a momentary lag, except you're not talking to your friend. You're talking to you, Darvish or, or Rizzo or something. How weird would that be? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone would just – I think everyone's in the same boat here. So if that would happen, it'd be like, oops, still not out, still here. And it would just kind of be a funny little moment. Um, yeah. I think it's just, that's just how, how it is, right? It's, this is yeah. weird times. It's weird times. And, you know, baseball and basketball and the NFL eventually are going to be no different. So I don't even know how you would, you know, have a pecking order for asking questions in a Zoom call, you know, some some conference calls have a capability where they can call on you. I think if you you know press a button or something, but 
But this, how do you do it? Do you raise your hand and someone calls on you? It, they're going to have to find a system. So, you know, as we've been talking here, we, we, after one of us finishes talking, there's a pause. So we make sure we're not interrupting each other. To avoid that, they're going to have to make sure people aren't just jumping in right after to get their question. And they're going to have to literally form a line while staring at each other's faces on a Zoom call or something. That's a really good point. I didn't really think of that. Uh, I can only imagine, you know, it, it, this is such an, this is an industry where it's so competitive and you always want to be the first person to have access to ask a question or release an article or get a scoop on something. So I can only imagine how stressful it is for you at NBC, considering you guys are one of the leading content providers as far as the Cubs and, and other, and other teams in Chicago. But I did have a question um, that you might know more about. And like I said before, this is why we asked the NBC guy, because he probably knows better than we do. Um, now, as far as, uh, you know, the Cubs specifically, you guys have marquee and how are television networks going to be implemented as far as throughout the course of the season? Because, you know, when you don't necessarily have, for starters, a place set in stone of where you're going to play or how everything's going to work out or what, what television network is going to get rights to certain games and stuff, you know, it's all to be decided. So uh, in the Cubs case, they have a very interesting situation with marquee where it's their first season. They, they went through all that build up that they were going to provide all this content for the Cubs. And even though I personally don't have marquee, I have Spectre for the Dodgers. The, the lack of content has been expected, but also still disheartening considering, you know, we're supposed to be uh, having the all-star game in a couple of weeks here in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, how, how do you think everything's going to play out for the networks and, and, and what's your expectations? Uh, even though you are someone that is, well, you, NBC is still televised. So. Yeah. My understanding is you're, broadcasters for TV aren't going to be at the ballpark. They're going to have one camera crew for both teams um, while, you know, they're going to have the camera feed. It's going to be one crew. And then the, the both teams are going to have their separate play-by-play -play broadcast crews virtually back in the studio somewhere. Um, I don't think it'd be at home. I don't think technologically that would that'd be kind of a risk for a bad signal or something. So I imagine they'd set them up in the, the actual television studio, but, with that, you know, one television crew, my understanding is that whoever is running that, they're going to have to give equal shots to both teams, both dugouts. You know, if you're watching a Cubs game, they're always flashing the Cubs dugout, or maybe maybe majority of the time, you, you know, have you have occasional glances to the, the opposing dugout, their players, but you obviously want to dominate with your team that you're covering. My understanding with this this year is that they're going to have to have one crew and they're going to give like as equally as they can shots of players on both teams and dugouts and stuff like that. And that's going to be an interesting task because you're, there's going to be an inevitable moment where fans from one side said, wow, the TV crew didn't show my team enough in this game. What the heck? And I'm sure it wouldn't be like that at all, but people are going to feel that way. Um, radio on the other hand will be at the ballpark, which I imagine that's just because you can minimize the number of people needed to conduct a radio broadcast, whereas television, you need multiple cameramen, both broadcasters, maybe an engineer. So it's, it's again, really unique in that sense. Hmm. That's kind of interesting to think about, really, because um, I know the Kings here for the hockey team, what they've done in the past is they have their radio – play-by-play -play announcers do radio and what they do is they delay the telecast so that they can transmit the sound uh the audio to the to the telecast so it'd be kind of interesting if the if the MLB can implement something like that but a, a follow-up question 
um, because you did mention the, 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 you know, trying to keep everything even as far as uh, uh, visuals, but um, do you think a certain network is going to get priority over the other? How is that going to work? Are they going to split that up? Or is ESPN going to get more games than Fox? And these individual, these individual markets are already going to crash because their, their camera crews can't go. So how, how are they going to handle that kind of change? And who, who, gets, who gets priority? Pecking order, I guess, like you said earlier. That's a great question. Um, I think off the top of my head, ESPN probably gets more games, but I, that's on a whim just because ESPN has Monday night baseball, Wednesday night baseball, Sunday night. Fox national broadcast generally are only Saturdays. You know, maybe Fox Sports 1 has weekday games that I'm just not thinking about. But I, I imagine the, the contracts they, in, they have in place will allow them to, you know, like the salaries, like find a way to equally minimize it. Um, but on my whim, I would say – maybe ESPN just gets more games just because they naturally did, but I could be wrong about how the discrepancy usually is in a normal year. So would it be safer to say that ESPN would get the majority of the regular season or lack thereof, and then Fox would get priority of the postseason just like they have recently in these past couple of years? Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe if, let's say, you know, I'm correct on that, right? Like ESPN has more regular season games in a normal year anyway, so they're just – Sorry, Fox. Fox at least will have the playoffs. But at the same time as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, you know, Fox pays a lot of money for these TV contracts and they're going to want their fair share. So I don't, I don't know if they've exactly figured that out yet. That's actually a really interesting question that the schedule is supposed to come out Friday. And here's a funny coincidence. ESPN is going to do a schedule release show. So maybe that tells us what we need to know. Um, mm. But I'd be interested to see that discrepancy in, who gets how many national games because I didn't think about that and how they might be able to break that up. I just gave you an article idea right there. You're welcome, Tim. Hire me, NBC, if you're listening. <laughs> and me first, man. I'm the unemployed one here, right? Watch it. Oh, yeah. Anyways, hire, uh, hire, hire Boston Roots for the podcast division. <laughs> we'll become world-renowned. Everybody will start watching baseball because of us. I don't think that's uh -huh. why. <laughs> it's nice to dream. Last thing sad. I want is to become the next Joe Buck. <laughs> sad joke. Sad joke. I do like that Joe Buck joke, though. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. Uh, I guess, uh, lastly, uh, Tim, I think we talked about this the other day. Um, and I saw a couple other people on Cubs Twitter talking about it. It's a hypothetical now that, that we're having the season. But, like, do you think there's going to be any, like, impact on, like, sports media as a whole in particular like baseball media uh because of like how short the season has been because like in general a lot of places are just short on money right now because of obviously the the economic uh status like the, the the i guess the state of the economy right now so like do you think you're gonna see any of those types of impacts in like the sports media in terms of, like baseball reporters jobs that might be disappearing and, and stuff like that I think you're you're kind of already seeing it to an extent, you know, with the Chicago Tribune, for example, they've been, and not just them, I, that's it's not an exclusive thing, but newspapers specifically during this, you know, can, uh, sports shutdown during the pandemic have had a lot of furloughs. So a week of unpaid vacation. Um, so that's, that's one thing. And you hope it wouldn't lead to permanently those guys losing their jobs, like these outlets being able to figure out how they're able to maneuver this and know it's kind of just a short-term loss and that 
we know sports will be back. Um, in a big picture perspective, it, it, it just depends on the games, right? Like it's, it's an unfortunate, it's a really crappy thing, but the games are what drives sports media. You, you literally are, you're living, your profession is covering sports. You need the sports. So I, I think it's promising that NBA, uh, NHL, MLB are all coming back, you know, knock on wood bearing any unforeseen spikes and anything like that. And then football's behind it. So they just – it starts with that. These sports need to come back for the sake of, you know, the industry as a whole, which is – just really relies on it. Um, and I would hope that long-term these jobs don't just disappear because of this, just because although it's not a short period of time we've been in right now, in the grand scheme of things, this is kind of a little blip in the road in the next 50 years of sports media or something like that. Abbas, uh, adding on to what Tim was saying, you know, I, I know we're asking him the questions, but I kind of wanted to say something. Um, I, I feel like you still got to give credit to these, to these uh, sports outlets and, and evolving it. And like I said earlier, I've said it so many times, uh, it's been a learning process. And I think ESPN, I think a lot of these individual networks have done such a good job of creating content and try to make the best out of such a horrible situation. I mean, if you think about it, the first couple of months of the pandemic, we had Trey Young playing horse on live television on ESPN. No one, no one cares about that. But as we've progressed, look, we've got the last dance, which was supposed to be here uh, this summer where they got it. They brought it up long gone summer. Although it was a bit of a letdown, that's still really good stuff that, you know, you don't get to see very often. So, you know, the, they've gotten smarter. They've been adapting to everything, but it's going to be one of those things where, they don't know how everything's going to play out until we, it plays out. And you can't really expect everything to go back to normal. And like Tim said, I really hope that, you know, this isn't like a long-term loss for these people because, you know, these are people with lives and these people with, with careers and families. So, you know, um, you know, although it might be a blip in the road, like, like Tim said, uh, you know, maybe, maybe these companies just start to realize that some of these jobs really aren't as necessary as possible. And you could just have certain people doubling up and then that's going to, that's going to result in these big companies ha losing less money because they can find someone to do more responsibilities. So I don't know. It's really unfortunate. We'll just kind of have to see how everything plays out. Yeah. And then, I mean, it, it'll be really, I mean, I, I'm very, obviously we're, we're all very invested in this uh, because it is obviously Tim, it's already your field and it's something else that, that you've been looking at for a while, I guess. Rudy and me so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out but um, I am excited to have a a season back um, I don't need to like randomly turn on the TV and try looking if there's anything interesting on MLB TV I don't need to watch like the 2003 all-star game ever again uh, so uh, I, th I think some normal actual live sport would will be really nice at least towards the end of June uh, but anyways, I think that's all we have. Boston Roots, Tim, thank you very much for coming on again. Uh, always good to have the old Radio to Paul sports folk back on, especially when they've made it to the next level. Hey, man, I'm happy to come on. Uh, you guys do a good job with this, so really fun and uh, appreciate the, uh, the extending the invitation to me here. <laughs> you know, if you think we do such a good job, uh, pass that along to your employers, man. You know, some of us, you know, I'm not so fortunate on the job front, you know, so feel free to toss in a good word. I'm a, I'm a quick learner. <laughs> Do my best. 
this. <laughs> but hey, focus on focus on what you gotta do, man. And hey, don't feel free to use that article idea that I gave you earlier. Honestly, I won't take it personally. Just give me some of the royalties. Yeah, uh, at the bottom, we'll give Rudy Hodgkins uh, contributed to this contributed. report. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that on my resume. Contributor, NBC. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Boston Roots here, Raider Paul Sports, student voice of your Paul Blue Demons. Check back next week again for our next episode.